If you're glad to be in the Lord's house this morning, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. I uh, want to remind you of something I mentioned last week. You probably have received an uh, information card. If you will fill out your information, first and last name, on back, uh, your children's information, and leave that on your seat when you leave today. We're going to come by and pick it up. We want to make sure our system has the correct information in it. So we're clearing out some clutter, we're updating it, and we want to help you live out the mission that God has called you to. And to do that, we need to know who you are. Uh, we have been talking all year about following after Jesus. And uh, that, that has been with the purpose of leading us to this particular season. Rooted uh, rolls out in just a few weeks. And I want you to take the time to really uh, uh, consider signing up to be in a part of a rooted group. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit more uh, throughout this particular series. Uh, but I want to emphasize that on the front end. Really strongly consider joining a rooted group by signing up. We got sign up tables all throughout the foyer. If you would open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to talk uh, this morning for the next couple of weeks about discipleship. We've been following after Jesus, looking at his life, looking at how he lived in community. And now we're going to look at some statements he makes in Luke chapter 9 that will teach us what it really means to follow after Jesus as a disciple. To follow after Jesus as a disciple. Before I get into our text in Luke chapter 9, I want to remind you that the disciples of Jesus were identified in really three main ways in Scripture. First is in John 13, 35. You can just write this in your notes. You don't have to turn there. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Um, in Matthew 28, uh, disciples are identified by missional living. By missional living. Jesus gives his disciples a great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. But a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ's life can also be classified, and this is what I want to talk about for the next few weeks, can also be classified as a life of suffering. As a life of suffering. Let's pick up our text in Luke chapter 9. The Bible says this. I'm starting in verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, listen to these words. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? In this text that we're going to be digging into over the next few weeks, Jesus is going to teach us what it really means, church, to be a disciple. 
And if you claim the name of Jesus, if you claim that you are a Christian, what that means is you are willingly subjecting yourself to a life of suffering. Consider that for a moment. Let's say you saw me headed somewhere. I was headed out. I had a bag packed, was filling up with gas, and you said to me, Yo, Trent, where are you headed, man? And I was like, Oh, you're not going to believe this. I'm actually headed to suffer for a few months. You want to join me? Now, at the very least, if I said that, you'd pause. There are some things I could have said that would have just immediately caused you to say, hey, I'm coming with. I'm going to Hawaii to hang out on the beach or I'm going to an amusement park or I'm going to go watch a Saints football game. Some of those things you'd have immediately said, I'm right there. But if I told you I was headed to suffer, you would consider that for a moment. Following Jesus in authentic discipleship means following Jesus into suffering. If you're going to follow Jesus as a, as a true, real, authentic disciple, you're going to follow him into suffering. In this life, we will experience suffering. We'll experience suffering in this life. Just write this down. You don't have to turn there. I don't have it on screen. But I want to reference Luke 15 for you this morning where we find the story of the prodigal son. And one reason we experience suffering in this life is because of the consequences of our own sinfulness. Like the prodigal son who strays from the father's house and distances himself from the father, when we too stray from the father and distance ourselves from God because of our sin, we experience the consequences of our sinfulness and that causes suffering. That's part of why we suffer in life. We also suffer in life because of calamity and tragedy. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the land. And because of that curse, there are tragedies and there is calamity all across the world. And in Romans chapter 8, again, just write this down. I don't have this on the screen. The Apostle Paul says, creation was subjected to frustration. Because of Adam's sin, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, God's curse, and hope that creation would one day be liberated from its bondage to decay. The world itself is decaying and cursed by the toxic effects of sin. As a matter of fact, the toxic effects of sin is so severe on planet Earth that Romans 8 describes the earth as, as literally groaning as though it's, it is experiencing the pains of childbirth. That's how painful and agonizing the toxic effects of sin are on the whole planet. And we experience suffering because of the consequence of that sin. We also can experience suffering with purpose and intentionality. The truth is you cannot not suffer in life. On this side of heaven, you're going to experience suffering. But if you choose to follow after Jesus as a disciple, you can suffer with purpose. And that suffering with purpose ultimately becomes a source of real and true and profound joy. 
And the first way in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus calls us to suffering with a purpose is by suffering through denying ourselves. That's, that's what Jesus calls us to. He says, if you want to be my disciple, then I'm calling you to deny yourself. If you want to join me on this journey, if you want to go where I'm going, then you have to be prepared for a life of suffering. We put some crosses on the stage to draw your attention to the purpose and mission of Jesus' life, which was a life marked by suffering. So what does it mean really to deny yourself? As a, as a disciple of Jesus, if you're going to deny yourself, what exactly does that mean? Well, consider what you really want out of life. What is it you want? Sometimes, certainly, that depends on age, doesn't it? What you want has changed over time. Young people, some things you probably want, you want to get old. Right? Am I right? Just nod your head. Am I right? Man, I wish I was 16 years old. I wish I was 18 years old. I wish I was 20 years old. I can remember that season in life where I just wanted to get old. I was ready to grow up. When we're young, we want to get married. We want to graduate high school or college when we're young. We want to start our career or become independent. That's what we want when we're young. When we're in the middle of our life and we're middle-aged, really what people want is security and stability. I want to know that tomorrow I'm going to have enough to survive. I want to feel secure and stable in the weeks and months and years ahead. In the middle of life, what people are looking for is greater levels of responsibility and greater levels of influence. That's what we want in the middle of our life. In the final stages of life, we want to be young again. Can I get a witness, somebody? We want to be young again. We want to go back to mom and dad's house and, and not be so independent anymore. In the final seasons of life, we ask ourselves, what legacy have I left on planet Earth. We ask things like, did I make a difference? Did I live with integrity and dignity? What we want, church, depends on where we're focused. If we are focused on the natural, material world, we want money, we want to be well-liked, we want freedom, political freedom, religious freedom, social and financial freedom. We want to look great. We want to be in shape. We want to be recognized as the best at something if we're focused on the material. And at the core of all this stuff, if you really look closely at the core of all those wants, is one thing. It's comfort. Really what we're after, what we're seeking, is to be comfortable. Being comfortable is what drives us. It's what motivates us. It's what gets us up in the morning. Sometimes it's what keeps us going and trying to be comfortable and trying to be certain and, and trying to feel secure is just out of reach for us. Every time in life we seek for comfort in the material, we'll find that it's just out of reach until we authentically commit to following Jesus as a disciple into the unknown and are willing to get uncomfortable 
for the calling that Jesus has placed on our lives. That's what self-denial really is about. Getting uncomfortable by following after Jesus. So if you look at Luke chapter 9, Jesus has actually been teaching his disciples this entire chapter about what getting uncomfortable, what suffering through self-denial really actually looks like. And that's the same mission that Jesus is calling you to if you want to live as a real disciple. Not a disciple in name only. Not a disciple who shows up to church on Sunday morning and opens his or her Bible and smiles at some people and shakes some hands. But a real disciple whose life and will are committed to following after Jesus. And first, what that means for you, church, is your willingness to suffer through denying yourself and getting uncomfortable for Jesus. So I want us to look at a few scriptures from Luke chapter 9. The first is, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 3, Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, listen to this, by giving up what I want for what Jesus wants for me. If you're going to deny yourself and really follow after Jesus as a disciple, you got to be willing to give up what you want and instead replace that with what Jesus really wants for you. Jesus is addressing his disciples in Luke chapter 9, a few verses before our text this morning. And in verse 3, he's sending them out on mission. And he says to them, take nothing for the journey. Don't take anything. Don't take a staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra shirt. You see, Jesus is preparing his followers to be completely and totally, utterly dependent on him to complete their mission. The first thing you would do... If I said, let's go on a trip somewhere, is you'd start packing all the things that you'd require to stay comfortable. That's what you do. That's what we all do. Uh, Kirsten and I and our kids just got back from a trip. And every time we travel with a family of five, come on, somebody who's traveled with a family of five, it feels like we load up everything and the kitchen sink. Because we've been there, man. We've been in the middle of nowhere, which is always in Oklahoma, right? We've been in the middle of nowhere and lacked something. And it's like in that moment, that one particular thing, whatever it is, is worth like hundreds of millions of dollars. And so to avoid that discomfort, we're packing everything we possibly can pack. We want to be comfortable. Our first reaction is for safety and security. Making sure that what I want, I can have. But if we're truly going to follow after Jesus, we've got to learn to be dependent on Him, to want Him, to find security in Him, and to want what He wants for us instead of what we want for ourselves. Specifically, look at the items Jesus tells His disciples not to take. Quickly, I'll go through these. He says, don't take a staff. In other words, don't prepare for the comfort of physical safety. 
travelers during Jesus' day would have had a staff to physically help them along the journey or to fight off some kind of wild animal or bandit along the path. It would have promoted some physical safety. Jesus says, I got you. Don't make provision for your physical safety. Don't seek comfort in the material for your physical safety. I got you covered. Depend on me for that. Jesus says, don't take a bag. Don't take a bag. That's, that's Jesus saying, don't seek comfort through provisional security. Don't seek comfort through provisional security. Don't hoard up stuff. Don't prep for Armageddon. Don't have a stockpile of ammunition. I got you covered. You don't have to worry about provision. Totally depend on me. Don't seek comfort in making sure you have provision. Seek comfort in me. He says, don't bring any bread. Now, this one, this is harder for me to preach. Because you know I like to eat. Jesus says, don't bring any bread. I will make sure your appetite is satisfied. He says, don't bring any bread. Don't seek comfort through the satisfaction of your own appetite. He says also, don't bring any money. This hits home for all of us. He tells his disciples, don't worry about how much money's in the bank. Don't worry about how many months reserve you got. Don't worry about how secure you feel because of what your investment portfolio looks like or your retirement account looks like. Don't seek comfort in financial security. Seek comfort in me for your finances. Jesus also says, don't even take that extra shirt. In other words, don't seek comfort in surplus, which is where we were at. It's where we are at in Western civilization today. We want two of everything to really feel like we're secure. Jesus is like, man, there's no need for a staff, for bag, for bread, for money, or for an extra shirt. I don't want you to seek comfort in anything Listen to this, church, that you can do for yourself. I want you to give all of that up, and I want you to be totally dependent on me, and I will provide you with your every need if you'll just stay dependent on me to meet those needs. One way to say that would be like this. Catch this. Jesus is asking us to give up things that will never actually provide us with comfort anyway. Let me say that again. Jesus is only asking us to give up things that will never provide comfort anyway. So many of us could testify that we have sought comfort in those kinds of things. Man, money or food or having enough or or, or having more than enough. And despite the fact that we've pursued comfort in all those areas, what we find is that none of those actually provide the comfort we're seeking after. Jesus says, don't, don't, don't seek for comfort in any of the things that you want. Seek what I want for you. Jesus says, not only to deny ourselves of what we want that we would seek comfort in, he says, deny yourself by suffering through service to others. Deny yourself by suffering through service to others. So we're going to skip down to Luke 9:48. And Jesus again is teaching his 
disciples. Now, this is after the text we read from Luke 9, 21 and the verses following. And Jesus says to these guys something very important about self-denial. He says, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest among you. Church, the desire to become the greatest is the oldest and most common struggle to mankind. Consider when the the devil was tempting Adam and Eve in the garden. You know the story. The first temptation to Eve was, if you eat this fruit, you're going to become great. As a matter of fact, you're going to become the greatest. You will become, some of you who know the story know where I'm going, you're actually going to become like God. That is the tendency in human beings to become the master of their own universe. I see this play out in marriages all the time. Well, if my spouse would just do what I want, when I wanted, the way I wanted it done, as often as I needed it done, there wouldn't be any more problems. In other words, if they just treated me like the master of the universe, this would all be fine. And so many of us have that attitude in so many other situations. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, when you are driving down the interstate, feel like the world should be revolving around you? How dare that person cut me off, right? And I drive a lot. Man, these guys are going way too slow in the passing lane. Don't they know I'm trying to get somewhere? We got three kids up in here. This is basically a... An emergency. It's an emergent situation. They didn't use their their right turn signal. Man, that is one of my pet peeves. Don't you get in the right lane in front of me and slow down without your turn signal on, ladies and gentlemen. But in that moment, it's just so easy for me to put myself in the center of the known universe and feel like the world itself should revolve around me. Wanting to be the center of the universe is why a person says yes to doing something morally questionable. Wanting to be the center of their own universe, why someone says yes to sexual immorality or or to substances. Wanting to be the center of the universe is why someone gives themselves permission to overreact in anger or retaliate in some other way. Because as the center of the universe, I want it how I want it, when I want it, as often as I want it. And if I don't get it, I am going to make sure to settle my score or finish my business so that I can get things my way. Jesus says, as a real disciple, you have to do the exact opposite. Seek for ways to promote Greatness in others as your first priority. Especially greatness in those that you really don't like. That was Jesus' method of ministry. Jesus would tell us until we really master true service to others, until we master promoting greatness in others, we can't move past our current level of maturity. 
It's one of the most basic principles of a true disciple. Promoting greatness in others just so happens to be an excellent way to deal with difficult people. Help them become great. Encourage them. Uplift them. Motivate them. How can we gain victory over the strongholds of sin we struggle with? Encourage somebody. Help somebody. Uplift somebody. Pray for somebody. A great marriage is built on each spouse trying to make the other person as great and and loved and honored as possible. How can we heal from our worst hurts in life? Become least and help promote greatness in others. If we do that, we'll experience suffering because we're denying ourselves one of the most common temptations known to man. But we'll also be identifying ourselves with one of the most significant traits of an authentic disciple. If you keep reading Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, Jesus asks his followers to suffer by not looking back. Deny yourself by not looking back. Get uncomfortable by not looking back. Jesus says no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Never, ever turn back. I, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about plowing. Is that a shock to any of you guys? I probably look like I don't know a bunch about plowing. But I asked somebody who was a farmer about this. And I was like, look, I'm sure this is probably really complex. It seems pretty simple to me, all right, to be honest. And if you had to tell me the most important feature of plowing, what would you say? Like one of the most significant things about plowing a field. The guy was like, I got it. Real easy. The ground in front of you, if you're plowing, is always going to be harder than the ground behind you. Super simple, super straightforward. I was like, man, that really isn't like rocket science. Maybe I could even do that. So often that's the testimony of us who are in Christ. It feels like the ground in front of us is hard ground to plow. Because we're fighting this battle against our drive to seek comfort in the things that we want. Material things that provide the illusion of safety and security. And Jesus is saying, leave those things behind and venture out into the unknown, seeking what I want for you, finding comfort in me, not what you want for yourself, comfort in the things you used to find comfort in. Jesus is saying, follow me into the unknown realm of seeking to make everyone around you great and become as invisible as you can in the process. And we have to fight against the master of the universe tendency in all of us. And that's tough ground to plow. And it's easy to look back and see the soft ground behind us and turn around And leave the plow. Jesus calls us into the unknown, church. To follow him no matter how hard the ground is to plow. No matter how difficult it feels to take the next right step and the next right step and the next right step. 
and the next right step. And Jesus' promise to us is that if we are really willing to step out and follow him as a real disciple and get really uncomfortable, in fact, be willing to lose our life itself, listen to this, that you and I will find every single thing we've ever been looking for. That's what's missing in your life. You hadn't really been willing to give it all up. You hadn't really been willing to step out into the unknown, to plow the hard ground and be committed to not looking back. And Jesus is calling you out this morning. And he's saying, if you will deny yourself, really get uncomfortable, that you'll find everything that you're looking for. I'm going to conclude our services with a prayer. I believe God's spoken to your heart through his word today. And he is challenging you to deny yourself. To no longer seek comfort in the things that you want. To no longer seek your own greatness. And to become the master of your own universe. And to stop looking back. If you have a need in your life, if one of those specific things is a struggle, after I pray, we're going to stand and sing a verse of a song. And I invite you to respond this morning. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you so thankful for your word. So thankful, God, for your son, Jesus, for his life, a life of suffering and sacrifice so that in him we could be made righteous. God, I pray that as a church we will practice self-denial through purposeful suffering, surrendering comfort, promoting greatness in others, And never looking back. I ask that you move on the hearts of your people and that any who have a need would respond. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.